So, are you hungry yet? Well, speaking of hungry, if you're uh, newer to Hannaford, we have a uh, Discover Hannaford that's coming up after second service. We'll have a, a lunch and just a chance to get to know some of the leadership. So, if you're newer to Hannaford, we'd love to have you join us for that after second service. Uh, Jim Hendershot, if you would stand for a moment, please. All right, thank you very much. You may be seated. Jim has gone through the uh, uh, membership class and has fulfilled the qualifications of membership. So do we have a motion to accept him into Hannaford Street's membership? Randy, a second? All right, Bill, all in favor signify so by saying aye. All right, Jim, welcome. I know you've been very faithful. We appreciate that. And uh, we uh, are excited about what God continues to do. Uh, uh, as many of you have heard, uh, Quentin Miller passed away yesterday, and uh, we are obviously very sad, but we're also encouraged in the hope of Quentin's relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this Friday at 11, we are having a celebration of his life, and I hope that you'll be able to join us at that time. And we also We'll have some need of people, if you're able to help with uh, providing some food for the luncheon afterwards, please contact the church office. But this Friday at 11, uh, we'll celebrate Quentin's life and continue to pray for Linda and his family. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing this morning. Father, as we come before you, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. Lord, I know many are going through difficult times. Lord, we can recognize in our adversity, uh, you are there with us, and we can cling to you and the comfort that you provide. Lord, this morning as we continue to look at community and using our gifts to, to serve you and to serve others, may your word be clear. May nothing I say distract from the principles or the power of your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at spiritual gifts. Over the last couple weeks, we've been looking, and uh, last week, Jezer looked at Romans chapter 12, and uh, we looked at Ephesians 4. There's two other passages that uh, deal with spiritual gifts specifically, 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Peter chapter 4. And in 1 Peter, Peter is encouraging the people to work together to impact their world for God. There were a group of people that were facing incredible difficulties. But Peter was encouraging them to stand together, to work together, to be community together as they serve God and serve each other. And we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Follow along as I read. It says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Now this passage covers a multitude of things. And, and we're going to spend a majority of our time on the last couple verses using our gifts to minister to one another. But, but we see in the context the importance of what God calls us to do. In the first part of verse 7, we, we find the urgency. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. End means completion or finalization. Peter is reminding us that we don't know how much time we have left. And if you've happened to uh, listen to a newscast or read a newspaper lately, you've probably wondered that same question. As we see what's going on in our world, we recognize that, that we don't know the amount of time. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you look forward to the coming back of Jesus Christ. But as we see our world and things the Bible describes, we recognize that can happen quickly. And we need to be prepared. And so Peter is telling these people in the first century, 20 centuries ago, he's saying, listen, you need to be prepared. You need to recognize the urgency we don't know how much time we have left. And as individuals, we don't know how much time we have left on this earth. So we must recognize that the work is urgent. And we need to dis display these characteristics. And he describes three basic characteristics that, that we should live out in our lives. The first one is Holiness in the last part of verse 7. It says, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Therefore, because of the urgency, because of the recognition that time is short, we're to be holy. Serious and watchful. Serious means to be self-restrained, literally. The idea of being sober-minded, to, to focus on what's important. And watchful gives the idea of being aware being aware of, of what's important. Being aware of what we're called to do and how we're called to live. And because of the urgency, we're to live holy lives. So we're to be holy. But in verses 8 and 9, we see also that we're to love. Verse 8 says, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Just like holiness, we need to have an urgency to have fervent love in our lives. Verse 8 begins, above all things, when describing love. We must recognize that without love, everything else will have no power. It doesn't diminish the importance of the other things, the holiness we've talked about, the service that we're going to look at here in the next couple of verses. But without love, those will be worthless. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we call it the love chapter. If you've been to very many weddings, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 13 quoted. Oftentimes you'll see it on a plaque, especially verses 4 through 7, which lists a group of characteristics of love. But 1 Corinthians 13 begins by telling us the importance of love. It begins in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Check out some of the things he says that that if you have without love, they're worthless. I mean, he begins talking about if you have these incredible uh, words and wisdom, you're just, but without love, you're a clanging cymbal, an annoying noise. And if you understand all mysteries and, and knowledge and you have all the faith that you can remove mountains, but you don't have love, you are nothing. And though you give everything you have to feed the poor and and you give your body to be burned, you're willing to sacrifice your love for Christ, but without love it profits nothing. We must recognize the importance of love. And Peter goes on here to to mention a couple of the results of love. There are many more results, but but he gives a couple results here in verses 8 and 9. He talks about how love causes us to forgive. It says it will cover a multitude of sins. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Am I slow to anger, or do I fly off the handle? To overlook a transgression, something someone has done for me, or to me, I should say. How do I respond? Am I willing to have the grace to forgive? Ephesians 4.32 reminds us that we're to forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. I'm going to share a, a, a story, and I've shared it before. And I know I'm getting older. I know, I remember I shared it before. And if, and if you've been in premarital counseling with me or in a counseling setting, you've probably heard it in that context too. It's a simple story, but it has such a powerful meaning. This small town, this couple that had been married for 50 years, and the town was small enough, everybody knew everybody, and so they had a celebration for them. And, and, and all the younger people looked at this couple, and they were just amazed. I mean, they were more in love then than they must have been when they were first married. And, and they all, all the younger people looked to them as, as wise people and were wondering. And, and there's a group of the young ladies that, that took the, the older lady, the, the one that was celebrating her 50th wedding anniversary, and said, so what's the secret? You know, we look at you and your husband. What's the secret? And she said, well, you know, when I was getting ready to get married... My dad took me aside and he said, now, I want you to write a list, ten things that you know he may do, but you're going to just forgive him without any question. And so you just write down this list. You spend time with him, you know things that he does, you know those annoying things, so you're going to write down that list. Well, this really perked the, the young lady's attention. They said, so what was on your list? And she said, well, you know, it's funny. She said it got busy with preparations for the wedding, and then we got married, and life's been a whirlwind. And she said, I I never wrote down the list. But every time he did something, 
that frustrated me, I just said to myself, he's lucky that would have been on the list. <laughs> you know, in, in our marriages, in all of our relationships, we desire justice. But God challenges us to live with grace. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is setting aside my right for justice. And instead responding with grace and mercy. Now, there's a couple other things that take place, right? Oftentimes it's bigger to me than the person who did it. They may not even realize that they have offended or hurt me. And it may be something really big. Or it may be something small, but it just bothers me and I can't process through it. But love will cause me to overlook those hurts and to forgive, to set aside my right for justice and instead to live with grace and mercy. And you may be here this morning and you're dealing with that. Someone in your life that's done something to you in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and you're just like, you know, don't they recognize what they've done? I hope. I just can't wait to get back at them. That's not what God calls us to do. In fact, Paul reminds us, he says this, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And not only am I giving up my right for justice, but I'm giving up my right for revenge when I forgive. And Peter's saying, listen, you need to have that fervent love because love will cause us to overlook a, trans a transgression. In 1 Corinthians 13.5, we looked at the first three verses talking about how other amazing things without love have no power. But then it goes on in verse 4 and following, it lists these characteristics of love. And in verse 5, it tells us that love keeps no record of wrong. That's hard to do, isn't it? Yep, she did it again. <laughs> I'm keeping track. You remember when Peter was with Jesus and, and the disciples were, and Peter says, asked Jesus a question, how often or how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? And he was waiting for a pat on the back because Jewish uh, custom required that you, that you forgive three times. And so he was doubling plus one. And what was Jesus' response? Seventy times seven. And for all of you mathematicians, you're going, that's 490. So 491, I can get them. <laughs> that's not the point of the story. If you're counting to 490, you're not forgiving. Just wait. He only has 83 more times. We need to love and and love will forgive as we demonstrate grace and mercy. 
But then he goes on, and it, and it seems like it maybe is a little out of place, but it's really not, because he talks about hospitality. Love results in hospitality, and by the way, that connects with the spiritual gifts that he's going to be talking about in the next verses. But it's fascinating, that word that we translate hospitality means to love strangers. It's something that, that's a little uncomfortable. I am going to reach out. It's easy to reach out to the person that, that you know well. I'm having my friends over. Now, that's good. But Peter was challenging us to take it a step further. We're, we're going to do it when maybe we don't have that strong, close relationship. And, and you have to understand some of the context of what was going on here. What was taking place was, it was in the culture there, when they stepped out to follow Christ, oftentimes they were disowned by their family. Oftentimes they lost their job. That's why baptism was such a big thing. And by the way, it should be a, a big thing for us too. But, but for them, when they were baptized, it was that public declaration of what had taken place in their life, that they were a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're to challenged to be baptized. We're, we're standing with Christ as we go into the water and back up a, a picture of Christ dying and rising again. But when they would when they would publicly declare that they were a follower of Jesus Christ, oftentimes they would lose everything. But the people in the church were challenged to reach out and to help them meet the needs that they had. And we're called to hospitality. Now, if you're going through the, the gift study in a connect group or on the Sunday morning 1030 study, you, you're, you're going through as part of what you do a list of the different gifts that are mentioned in Scripture. And, and you say, well, I don't have that gift, so we don't... No, we're all called to serve one another. To show hospitality. Say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. We're all called to share our faith. But Peter here is saying, listen, if you have love, it's going to be demonstrated in how you reach out and serve others. How you demonstrate hospitality in your lives. And then he goes on and says, do it without grumbling. You've all heard the story about having relatives over. After three days, they're just like fish, right? They smell. And then oftentimes, we're like, okay, you can do this, or I'm going to serve them a meal, or, or whatever it is. And the whole time, you're saying, whoa, what a sacrifice for God. Woe is me. Peter's saying, listen, it may be hard, but what a joy to serve God as we serve others. And so the, the encouragement to serve, to be hospitable, 
as to well as to forgive as a, as a response of love. And then in the last couple of verses, he talks about service. And because of the urgency, we're to live holy lives, verse 7. Because of the urgency, we're to love fervently, verses 8 and 9. And because of the urgency, we are to serve in verses 10 and 11. We're called to serve. We're called to use our gifts, our talents, our passions to impact the kingdom of God. Notice what it says in verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Service is often ignored. But it's just as important as the others. And you need to listen to to this whole thing. Oftentimes... We can spend too much time, listen carefully, learning about God. And not serving. It doesn't decrease the importance of learning. But if we don't apply, and if we don't serve, we're missing out. And it's easy as a church to, to, to get together and to learn God's Word, which is very important. But we're also to live out God's Word. And we do that as we serve Him, as we serve one another. And so Paul, or excuse me, Peter is saying, you need to serve. Serving does not save us. Work does not save us. But we are saved to serve. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says this, For we are His workmanship, that's God's, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's an interesting verse. But whenever you look at a verse, you need to look at its context, right? Ephesians 2.10. If you grew up in Awana, you know verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We share those verses, and they are so important. I don't get to heaven by doing good things. I get to heaven by asking Christ's forgiveness through the grace of God. But we stop at verse 9. And right after that, it says, So we are created we are God's workmanship created for good works I'm not saved because of the work I do but because I am saved I am going to serve it needs to be a natural response And then Peter goes on and he talks about, well, if they're a speaking gift, some of the different gifts are maybe up in front sharing speaking, You need to do the oracles of God, the principles of God's Word. If they are serving one another, you need to do it in God's power. So he doesn't list individual gifts. He lists lists different groups of gifts. But we do it for God's glory, looking at God's Word, and through His power. 
God has given us spiritual gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us passion. He's given us experience in order to serve. We use the term ministry, and ministry is synonymous with serving. And then what is the goal? And we see that at the end of verse 11, and it says that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom uh, belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So let it be. I need to have that goal in every area of my life that God is glorified. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We should have this, vo- this verse posted probably in our car as we want to complain at those crazy drivers, in our house as we want to complain about our spouse or our kids or our parents. We should have it in our workplace as we want to grumble about our work. We should have it everywhere. Am I doing this to glorify God? We need to think of that before we do or say anything. So what about in our lives? What are some of the struggles, some of the dangers, some of the benefits of serving, of using my spiritual gifts? Well, first, what are some reasons why I may not use my gifts? I I may not because I don't understand them grasping the meaning of different gifts and and how I can use them can be very difficult. The Bible doesn't give us a test to determine what our gifts are, what our passions are, what our experiences are. Also, how to coordinate our gifts with an area of service. Sometimes that can be very difficult to understand but we must work hard to understand better and and to seek out ways that we can serve. So here's what I encourage you to do. Find an area of service that that you feel, I I think I would enjoy this. I think I have some, some abilities in this area and give it a try. And if that doesn't work, look for another one. We also say, you know, I don't think my spiritual gifts are, are, or I don't think that spiritual gifts are that important. Now, we don't say this one out loud. But this is a hard statement, and every single one of us in this room fight this. We get so busy and consumed with life that one of the easiest things to push aside is serving. And so we don't out loud say, God, I don't really think spiritual gifts and and serving one another is important. But if we look at our calendar, we may be living the idea that serving and spiritual gifts aren't that important. Even though we're not saying it, we're living it. Or maybe we say, you know, I don't think my gifts are that important. And my place is that important. You know, the, the gifts, the abilities and the, that I bring to the table, they won't make much of a difference. Am I really going to be missed if I don't do that? We say, you know, what I, what I would do probably wouldn't be noticed, maybe not even necessary. But we need to realize this. 
that while not all gifts, all acts of service are visible, they're all valuable. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 19, it says, But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? He goes through and one says, you know, since, and he pictures the, the church working together like a body. And if the foot says, I'm not the hand, therefore I'm not part of the body, I'm not important. And he goes through this list of these different things saying, I'm not important. And then he goes saying, everyone is important. Your part is valuable and God has uniquely equipped you to do a work that no one can do quite like you. Psalm 139 talks about how we are uniquely made. Even in our mother's womb. What a powerful statement about life, by the way. But God has uniquely equipped you to serve. And when you don't do that, the whole body hurts. It affects everyone. Also, I don't think I can do it. And that's really probably the number one reason that we don't step out and attempt to, to learn and use our gifts. How can we overcome that? Well, we need to recognize that God has prepared us for the ministry He has for us, and He doesn't make mistakes. You know, if you look at biblical heroes, we look at biblical heroes and we say, well, you know, look at what did I could never do what they did. But there's several characteristics that, that we have that match them. Every single one of them was a sinner, just like us. Every single one of them is imperfect, just like us. Every single one of them had strengths and weaknesses, just like us. But when did they have success? And by the way, there were times that all of them didn't have success. But when did they have success? When they stepped out and were willing to be used by God. And God has made that same promise to us that he has made to each of them. Now, we may not build an ark or lead a nation across a wilderness to a promised land or stand in a lion's den, but God wants to use us. And God has promised that he will use us. So what about some dangers? Well, the greatest danger is not using my spiritual gifts. We've all heard of the 80-20 rule, right? Unfortunately, this rule lives, is lived out in the church as well as the rest of society. A small minority of the people do a large majority of the work. If you uh, work in a workplace, you probably see the ones that uh, carry the load. Hopefully you're one of them. Because in everything you do, including your work, you're glorifying God, right? So how can I overcome that danger? I need to recognize the gifts that God has given me, and I need to understand that using my gifts will please God and impact others. Not only will it impact others, but it will benefit my relationship with God. Let's go back to the marriage picture again. 
say, how can I be a better husband? You say, well, how be a better husband if she's a better wife? That's the wrong mindset. Or I'll be a better spouse. I don't mean to just pick on the husbands here. I'll be a better spouse if I get something in return. That's not the right attitude. Now, the cool thing is, when I'm a better spouse, it makes it easier for my spouse to be a better spouse. It's easier for my wife to be a better wife if I'm a better husband, but that's not the reason I strive to be a better husband. I strive to be a better husband because I want to honor God and honor my wife, irregardless of how she's doing. But in our service, we serve to honor God and to benefit others. But guess what? There's a secondary blessing. Not only do I see others being blessed as God is using me in their lives, but my life is changed. It's not the reason I do it, but it's a secondary blessing. We had a guy named Matt Hurd who's spoken here several times. And, and I remember one message he gave was called Plumbing Theology. And uh, it was a great challenge. But in it, he basically asked the question, am I a pipe or a bucket? It's easy to be a bucket. And we just collect things. And what happens though when water stays in a bucket for a long period of time? It stagnates. Instead, God calls us to be a pipe where His love flows through us to impact others down the line. But oftentimes, we, we have a consumer mentality. And every single one of us in this room struggle with that. What's in it for me? But that's not the attitude we're called to have. Instead of what's in it for me, it needs to be what can I do to honor God and serve others? That's what we're called to do. We also can have the danger of using our gifts for our glory or our benefit. We all struggle with pride and with selfishness. It's very easy to, to have the goal be that our, uh, our service is appreciated or praised or we get response or somebody does something for us because we've done something for them. Now, that's nice. I enjoy people saying, John, I appreciate that. It's not wrong to enjoy praise, but if that's my goal, I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Also, I attempt to use my gifts in my own strength. He talks about that in verse 11. By the strength that God provides, we're to serve one another. If I do it on my own, I will fail miserably. So what are the benefits? Two simple benefits. God is glorified and others are helped. God is glorified. That is the ultimate goal. Why have I been placed on this earth to have relationship with God and glorify Him? That's why I'm here. And by the way, that's why you're here too. We were created for relationship with God. Now, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, that relationship has been severed through Jesus Christ. We have 
the opportunity for restored relationship. And so through Christ, that relationship can be restored. But I'm also here to glorify Him. I need to look at every day of my life. Did I glorify God today? In my interactions with people, in the actions that I did, in the attitudes that I had, in the service I performed, did I glorify God? And also to benefit others. There are things that God has prepared you to do that are going to make a lasting and even eternal impact in people around you. But you need to be willing to step out and serve. And that's what we're called to do. Now, this is the end of our series. The Connect Groups and the Sunday Morning Study on Gifts go another three weeks and you're going to take a gifts inventory, gives an idea as you've gone going through the list of gifts. And if you haven't been involved in that, you can still jump in and get an awful lot out of it. So I really encourage you to do that. But then on October 31st, we're going to have out in the foyer the different ministries of the church and different areas, ways that you can serve and, and try to share some of the gifts that may be connected with those areas of service. And I pray that you would say, you know, I'm going to find an area. If I'm not already serving an area, I'm going to find an area where I can serve to glorify God and to impact others, to make an eternal difference. And, and I want to encourage you in a couple things. Be willing to step out and do it. But also, you may try something and you say, you know... I, this, I mean, I don't feel, you know, I thought I would, but I'm not really feeling I'm making a difference. And, and, you know, I dread it. You know, every time that it comes up, oh, great. I volunteered for children's ministry. I get hives. I don't like children. That's okay. Find another area. Don't consider it a failure. Consider it an experiment. How many times did Edison find a light bulb that didn't work before he found one that did and it's uh, changed our world hasn't it God wants to use you God's prepared you for service and I know because God said it and I believe it that there are things that God has prepared you to do that will honor him and impact others. So I pray that, that you would seek out ways that you can serve. And things that you can do to impact this world as we demonstrate holiness, love, and service. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your goodness. I pray that you would be with us. Help us to recognize the great glory of serving you. Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen us each and every day. Lord, guide our hearts and our minds in you. Help us in the holiness and love aspects that Peter talked about. Lord, also help us to serve. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.